Hello, and welcome to Icon Underground Radio for the week of May 10th, 2017. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. No, I'm David. Well, let me start the episode by mentioning that we are planning our first Patreon podcast episode. Uh, we are going to be discussing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Which isn't really yeah. robot related, but we all love the first movie. It's it's nerd. It's nerd related. It's very nerd. Yeah. So we will have more details about that going up on Twitter pretty soon. Uh, and yeah, that's yay. We're doing some Patreon things. It's very exciting. Mm. <laughs> uh, so we have a couple little teeny news tidbits, some of which may actually be authentic. And <laughs> we have then we have a new Robots in Disguise episode and. <gasps> Lost Light number five, in which Ooh. somebody's fan theory turns out to be true. <sighs> but which one? Well, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh so first, the uh potential news uh which is sure. that someone posted a blurry thing that is apparently some sort of Hascon promotional thing. Uh it it's doesn't like- no, it, it, it's a screen cap, but it's blurry. How can the fonts be blurry it, if it's a screen cap? It, it's not it's like, like it's like blown up. Maybe. Oh, maybe if this. Like like, if it was a tiny thumbnail that somebody blew up to full size off of some other screenshot. There are some pixel errors, but it. Uh, it's just. It's weird that it exists the way it does. Yeah, I'm. I'm taking it with a grain of salt, but it also seems. Close to reality. It seems legit. It's it's believable, and I'm not sure why you'd fake this. Yeah, yeah. that that is. True. I mean, maybe you want to get people worked up over Disney princesses. I don't know. It, well, in all of it sounds normal, except for a part where it mentions some of the things for fans, YouTube influencers, and creators. That sounds One, like someone. The term influencer is ridiculous, but that's that. That sounds like something that someone in marketing thought was a good idea. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> that seems to add authenticity. Go. Yeah. I mean, it's evident I mean, that it's whoever stupid, wrote this but... thinks in terms of the words YouTube influencers. Yes. Which, like, I, are there YouTube influencers to transform it? Well, maybe some other fandoms that are under the Hasbro umbrella. Well, I guess yeah, wait, Benny does videos, doesn't he? Well, oh no, Vangelis. Ah. I forget Vangelis. Yeah, I mean, there are, there are some people in our fandom, but also, I don't know, from other fandoms, <laughs> like the G.I. Joe fandom. Oh, and the first indication of the involvement of... <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I don't mean to be mean <laughs> to the G.I. Joe fandom. But it's just so easy. It is. Uh, the first mention we've seen in relation to Hascon from an official-looking source of Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and & Dragons, and yes. furthering the idea this was written by some marketing type. It says, on-site gaming tournaments, which makes sense for Magic the Gathering, doesn't make sense for Dungeons & Dragons. That is not a competitive no, I mean, sport. Yeah, they... I mean, I know they've done... They've done stuff before that has been, like... 
basically you take some pre-made characters and try to defeat a particular challenge, but I think that was primarily 4th edition, which tended to be very sort of video game inspired anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know what in 5th edition, I mean, maybe it would be something like that where, you know, you're given... And yeah, I sort of feel like tournament in that case is not a proper term for it. But they're, I mean, that they may have Magic the Gathering tournaments and some sort of D&D experience. organized events. Yeah. Yes, experience. I mean, there, there wouldn't be time for a D&D tournament. Not round robin or single elimination. <laughs> You'd spend the entire three-day weekend playing D&D, which, not necessarily a bad fate, but... I'm pretty sure that's that's Origins. That's called Origins. Yeah. (laughs) Just spend the entire weekend in one long D&D game. See how far you can progress in the Tomb of Horrors. The winner made it to floor two. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it does promise exclusive Hascon merchandise, which, yeah, I mean, that's expected. Yeah. For families, uh, character breakfasts with ponies, Disney princesses, and Sesame Street, which, I mean, I realize that Sesame Street is like, I don't know, I guess do they, they must have a license for Sesame Street stuff. Mm. I haven't paid attention. <laughs> My small nephews live far away. I don't <laughs> Go shopping for toys for them that often. Well, costume contests. Uh, yep. The this is children's the, television yeah. workshop does currently license their brand to Hasbro. All right then, and I this is these two. Those two are really the first that we've seen of any. Uh, and this is, I guess, the only thing that would be of interest. Worth, worth faking for. It's the first we've seen of any of their licenses making an appearance, because previously they've only talked about their own brands. Although they are... Disney Princess especially is going to be getting preferential treatment from Hasbro for a while. Yeah, they they went through a lot of trouble to get that license. And are making they went a through a lot of trouble to make those frozen dolls. Yep, and they're making a lot of money in the process now. Oh, I bet. It's big bucks in that. Uh, so yeah, that's, well, that would be, that's the thing is I would think that that might be something that would be a, something between them and the license, licensor. Yeah, that, it could be that either that's not final or Disney is getting more on board with contributing to this as time goes on and planning continues. I mean, yeah, I can't imagine Disney, you know, given their various brands that Hasbro works with, uh, I can't imagine them not, you know, being willing to have some sort of thing. Also, doesn't, like, didn't Lucasfilm own some significant portion of Hasbro? Uh... I think we've talked about this before. I've looked it up in the past. In order to secure the licensing rights for Star Wars in the lead-up to The Phantom Menace, they gave, like, 10% of the company worth of stock to either 
Lucasfilm in general or to George Lucas in particular, he has since cashed it back out. Okay. So they do not actually have a necessarily a financial stake in Hasbro, but they definitely have an interest in their products and their brand, you know, doing well with them. So, you know, I, I would be curious if any of this is at all real, uh, to see what, what Disney, you know, also, oh, also under, uh, you know, Marvel and Star Wars, you know, what, what happens with that. Uh, there's also mention of live entertainment and music, uh, so bets on Stan Bush being there. Uh, <laughs> you got the touch. Dun, you got one to one odds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I want a jam cover band. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, fashion show and costume contests. Uh, so this is cosplay stuff. Uh, and then something that I can't make out that's something and play. Uh, and then DJs and parades and product reveals and shopping and auctions for Hasbro commercials? That is odd. Brand experiences and play. Ah, okay. Oh wait, maybe that's auditions for Hasbro commercials. I would have to say that brand experiences and play was clearly written by the same person who wrote YouTube influencers and yes. creators. <laughs> <laughs> brand experiences. I'm tempted to defend that one. <laughs> go on, go on, defend it. I mean... It makes sense as a way of describing, like, okay, here's all these really weird different things we're doing. Like, there's a Nerf shooting gallery and a Play-Doh sculpting con, and like a Play-Doh sculpting area slash contest, and like Optimus Prime and Megatron statue that's set up for people to interact with and get Brand their photo experience. taken, and like I. Stuff that's just different enough that you can't think of the right way to describe it because there's no one blanket term. And then your marketing shit brain turns into, oh, brand, brand is a word. Experiences. Like, I guess I'm just defending the experiences part of it. Okay. <laughs> brand experiences. Uh, yeah, maybe that does say auditions. Uh, but. Either way. So that may or may not be a thing. It seems legit. Uh, I don't see any ridiculous stuff that would suggest that it's not, but who even knows what people want to fake these days. Mm. And we uh, just spent 20 minutes going back and to the left, back and to the left, back and to the left. <laughs> yes. What we... The fandom used to do it more about leaked toy pictures that were grainy as hell. That doesn't, although it has happened with this movie, but it doesn't seem to happen as often. So, leaked grainy program idea. Sure. Yeah. Man, those, those message boards are really gonna worship me after that. I'm gonna be super legit and get all the respect <laughs> from the message boards. Uh, so in 
unquestionably official news. The official Transformers movie Twitter, uh, which is just at Transformers, uh, has posted a handful of new tra- uh, new teaser stuff that basically laughs in the face of your history books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They just tuck some various old, like, I, I do like in the, uh, the photo edit ones, or I guess only one of those is a photo. The point is Transformers pointing as human armies do things. <laughs> Over there! They have been here forever. Hashtag Transformers. It's pointing weird that, that this movie is getting on, in on a meme that Gundam and other things did like a decade ago. Mm-hmm. Like just photoshopping Gundams into storming the beaches of Normandy or something. And bringing that back doesn't seem like a bad move. No, it's not bad. It, it just it, it it makes me chuckle a little. Although, the oh, it's like there's so little continuity in in the Transformers movies, and this seems to be counteracting stuff we know. It's, yeah, it seems to be taking the thesis. I mean, one of these looks like Bumblebee in World War Two. Yes. yes. It's like, body's different, but it's in front dead? of that, in front of that building that everybody complained about them putting Nazi flags on with Nazi flags on it. They're burning, at least. Yeah. I suppose. And, uh, I mean, everything seems to be burning. This just raises the question of, okay, if Bumblebee's been here that long, and then Optimus, Ratchet, Jazz, and Ironhide just showed up after he found the cube. Bumblebee did a shitty job of catching them up. <laughs> Are there any other Transformers on the planet? Yeah, tons. Except, <laughs> you know, a except couple. Except it came out in pop culture references that they didn't get. <laughs> yeah. One of them does look like... Uh, well, one of them has, like, Ironhide's gun, so that's interesting. That's a thing. So, yeah, that's that's definitely some bold claims. Uh, I guess we're going just full-on alternate history here. You know, I'm all for that. If you're going to be stupid, be crazy about it. (laughs) Yeah. Just go all in. Decepticon Raider and King Arthur's Court, fine, adapt to that. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. That's It's a good episode. We'll do that one. It, it's an episode where Rumble and or Frenzy, I forget, ends up... I think it's just Rumble ends up with it's, seagull poop all over him. So that's, that's a fine it's episode. It's the blue one. I don't... Blue one, I think. In the cartoon, that's Rumble. Okie dokie. My headcanon is that they aren't even sure at this point which one's which. <laughs> at this point, yes. So, yeah, that's is definitely, you know, I just hope it has a script. Yeah. I just hope it was written this time and that events follow logically from one thing to the next. <laughs> I realize that's asking a lot. I mean, but... we did have a writer's room this time and we did just narrowly avoid a writer's strike, so. Yeah. Yeah, good, good. But, uh, and yeah. I- Really, I don't think sure the previous two had the problem of no script so much as the third one had the problem of not enough script. 
and the fourth one had the problem of three different scripts in a blender. <laughs> yeah. Which, well, this on the surface, that's what this one seems like. It, it seems like four different G1 episodes glued together. <laughs> All the ones with time travel. Yeah. All the time travel episodes. And a quintessence episode. Yeah. Man, what the hell? So, yeah, that's and definitely... possibly some... the hate plague? Maybe. Maybe. It's definitely some movie news. Hmm. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> At least it's official. Uh, so, uh, that's about it for news. Uh, we do have uh, new episodes of Robots in Disguise airing regularly. Uh, now, I think we mentioned before that uh, they did put up a bunch of episodes for streaming that hadn't aired yet, uh, mm. but we are just going to talk about them as they air, because that's like seven episodes. It's a lot of episodes. So, sure. Well, air in America. They I, Have they even aired in Canada for Rob yet? We don't well, That's know. a good question. I don't know. Canada? I don't know Canada. Well... Rob's not on this podcast, so it doesn't <laughs> matter. Canadia. <laughs> so yeah, we have a new episode. It's called Defrosted. Uh it's in Antarctica. There's a guy who's some kind of crustacean and his name is like Crustacean. Yeah, they they, yeah. they didn't try very hard with that one, did they? They didn't try hard with him at all because he really just felt like they like they have some uh like some character creation like some character quirk dice and they rolled them and they were like uh pirates uh obsessive pirate like, it took me a while to like even figure out his accent was like Irish or something. And even that didn't stick so well. It's just, and he's a, and he's a reuse of the model of was it oh the orca one? I think the hell was that? I guess I don't remember the name of that one either. I was looking it up earlier, and I should have kept the page open. Yeah, he's clearly a clawshrank. I, I think it's the one that was voiced by Eddie Deason. <laughs> Some kind of weird giant shrimp. Yes. Which. At one point, Strongarm calls him, uh, Scampy Breath. (laughs) (laughs) On the one hand, I like the themed insults. On the other hand, I'm kind of creeped out by the idea of characterizing someone's breath as smelling like what they smell like after being cooked. (laughs) (laughs) My brain just immediately went to describing someone as having spam breath. Is she just accusing him of being a cannibal, or... Mm-hmm. I don't know. So, also, there... I guess, more relevantly, there is the big B-plot about Grimlock wanting to be Drift's poodle. <laughs> yes. That was fun. Because he doesn't understand pupil, but he wants to learn how to do fight good. Yeah, and there was the C-plot about Fix-It being obsessed with a video game. Oh, that was the uh, most interesting part of the episode to me. Russell has a Russell has a Nintendo Switch, 
and Fixit is playing what you can clearly tell by the audio, some weird version of either Super Mario World or a Super Mario Maker level set with the Super Mario World sprites and sounds. Yeah, okay, the sound effects that were pretty explicitly straight out of Super Mario World, that might have been the most interesting part. Like the that's rest copyright thing. infringement. I know. <laughs> Copyright maybe, infringement level use of those sounds. And then maybe the Nintendo. Studio pays for them. I maybe. don't know. But then the most interesting part was at the end when they actually finally show footage of what the game looks like. And it's Sonic the Hedgehog 2! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a twist. It's a plot twist for you. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely an episode, nothing too exciting, Grimlock mm. is pretty adorable, Drift is so done with him, declares him to be a master of punching. Grimlock practically declares himself a master of punching, and then Drift is just like, okay, fine, sure, you graduated, <laughs> just so I don't have to do this anymore. Just leave me alone. Also, I do like that it started by talking about global warming. Yeah, I liked how that was just casually an accepted thing on a kid's show. Yeah, yeah, I'm, that would and be nice. genuinely glad, not sarcastic, but I'm, yeah. I'm disappointed we have to talk about that as something that would be controversial. Yeah. I mean, it does definitely make it feel current in a way that perhaps it didn't before. I mean, yeah. Uh, although although okay. current would put it anywhere between here and Captain Planet debuting. Well, not just... <laughs> I mean, specifically it being a thing that is actively occurring. True. And not just a vague concept, because he, he specifically... Uh, this Decepticon was specifically released by a glacier melting. True. Like the, the Antarctic ice sheet falling apart. So, that's like things that are happening now and not just that sort of vague... I guess we are in that weird middle transition period between when global warming was only a theoretical risk to the polar ice caps and all life on Earth being destroyed. Yes. Yes, we we are right in the, the early stages there. So, yeah. I don't know. Anybody else have anything exciting or insightful to say about the episode? It's just kind of an episode. Uh, this is just okay. It exists. It happened. The villain is yeah. super forgettable. Like, I had to look up the episode on TF Wiki to remember what was going on. <laughs> I mean, admittedly, I watched it like a week ago when I was out, out of town. Grimlock finally beats him by going, Stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Maybe if his name was a better pun, because, like, it's just crustacean. It's not like crustacean. I guess that's the problem of doing Monster of the Week episodes, is when your Monster of the Week is particularly weak. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, so yes, that was an, an episode. So, meanwhile, over in other Transformers fiction, we have Lost Light number five. Aw, heck. Aw, heck. It's definitely an issue with some issues. With some people with issues. An issue about characters with issues. Uh, so, yeah, should we start on that fan theory? Yeah, I'm not happy. I was right! 
I was right, and I'm not happy I was right. Aww. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily about the the spark that, you know, she failed to save. Because there was a lot of very plausible backstory there, but also considering, you know, how they got where they are, it's entirely possible that Lug just died in the past that Anode was saved from. Yeah, that that seems to be how it worked. At, or Lug wasn't supposed to die and just got left behind. It was just uh, Anode that, would, that was only going to die. That would be better. I mean, this is the place you would find out. Because you could go and find, I mean, presumably that's what we're going to see ahead of us, is, you know, finding the little platform that the necrobot, I mean, this is the place where you find out whether someone is, is alive or not. <laughs> that was in the kind city, of wasn't it? Uh, no, well, she goes to the, uh, the monument, to the, the monument with all the names of the people who are not accounted for. Yeah, the ones the Necrobot rescued with his time travel Uzubuxes. Yes. But then there's still the matter of the actual, like, little monuments he had for everybody Mm. that go out when you die. Dramatically. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm kind of curious to see how that's going to play out. Uh, But yeah, and so it turns out that Rung can generate crystals. Yeah. That's Seems shiny. Hot. I mean, does that mean his alt mode is, like, just a thing made for generating them? Because it really just sounds like, you know, mm-hmm. it's just a byproduct of cyber biological, you know, like, sweat. Yeah. Who knows? It might be explained later. We will find out. Probably. Or maybe his alt mode's designed to use the crystals he produces for something. Maybe. But, yes, and then they, it, it's revealed that the, uh, the, the council, the Functionist Council, is, they, they themselves are an ornament. <laughs> dun, dun, oh, yeah. Dun. That, that kind of was the best part that Parallel Universe Run gets the gloat that Oh, the council, they're useless alt modes. They don't have a purpose. And that's an existential issue for them. Yes. That's that's something very, very upsetting for them, because, you know, that was kind of their thing. Yeah, well, it's a very political thing. Like, Like, every time you hear about a politician who gets caught by a law that he himself wrote. Yes. Yes. And also, I really like the stuff. I sort of guessed when, I mean, it, it was kind of predictable when, you know, it turned out that Killmaster's wand sent people places, that this would probably sure. be the key to them getting home. Uh, but yes, Brainstorm was able to, to figure it out, and he's very excited, and it's adorable, because excited Brainstorm is the best thing ever. <laughs> Uh, but then, yeah, Megatron and Terminus have a talk about staying there. Oh, all the feels. Yeah. It is a lot of feels. Which, that they actually call that out here makes me think it's less likely to actually happen. 
And maybe it's more likely Terminus is going to die and Megatron's just going to continue on the Lost Light. Or maybe Terminus will stay behind. All by oh, himself. Oh yeah, that too. Yeah. Dun dun. I, I appreciate that when, when he's talking about the others and how they wouldn't understand, specifically Minimus's name is italicized. So. Yeah. <laughs> Shipping. 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 But, Megatron uh, has too many ships. Ship them. You're not accountable to them. You're accountable to your conscience. They are my conscience. Aww. Feels, man. Feels. But, uh, but yeah, it's, you know, it's important to see that talk being held. <sighs> But yes, apparently Rung's crystals that he makes are vital to the cold construction process. And the fact that he makes them put the council in a tizzy because that would mean that Primus uh, approves of cold construction and therefore they can start cold constructing people and go take over the universe. And the only justification for them taking over the universe is where the Functionist Council... Our purpose must be to spread functionism. Yeah. <laughs> we couldn't be yeah. useless. Yeah. Fascism is bad, y'all. Mm. Also, I appreciate that just for not even any particular reason, we get a couple panels of Chrome Dome and Rewind hugging. That is nice. <laughs> Uh, so yes, it, it ends with the Functionist Universe rung. Basically, they, they now have a choice. They, they have to either go back now so they can teleport the planet back and get back to their own universe, or if they do that, rung can't carry out his whole plan of blowing things up, which is important things up. Uh, so yeah, that's that's our ending conflict. Yes, Rung wanting to fight Ronimus. <laughs> it's pretty cute. It's pretty sad. I never expected that fight. <laughs> no. He's so small. Yeah. He's just so small. So presumably next issue will be the big wrap up for the storyline. We will see what happens. It's getting exciting. Yeah. So yeah, this good issue. Lots of good conversations had. Fan theories proven to be correct. It's good. It's good. Uh, do you know if we have anything coming up next week? I was just checking, David and uh, Alex. Revolutionaries number four features Hearts of Steel Transformers. If you remember those. Oh. Yeah, and um. Was there something else? What? Oh no! And I think the preview for that had Iron Claw for the GI Joe. I think and the Predacons. The the original Predacons, not the Beast Wars Predacons. I didn't read the full preview, but there does appear to be a Predaking on the cover. Yeah. So hey, a Predaking on the cover. There's also a horrifying. X-Files Funko Pop comic coming out next week, so 
know that what? that exists and take what? appropriate precautions. <laughs> take no. cover. I, uh... I, for all of their licensed books that aren't Hasbro books, Funko is doing like a special thing this month where they do a Funko Pop one-shot. Why? Oh. I mean, I guess oh. Marvel did a some some comic, but... Oh, yeah, that's too. Round. Those are cute. Yeah. They are pretty cute. Some Funko Pops are acceptable, like Rocketed Groove, but just regular humans, they don't... The big, dead black eyes doesn't really work. I have one that I bought just because why the hell did they make it, which is The Crow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, sometimes just for curiosity's sake, like I have a Funko Pop Cthulhu, and it's kind of perfect, because it looks freaky. Giant cube head. I have that one, and I have Holtzman from Ghostbusters, because of course I do. And <laughs> I have uh, Grell from Black Butler for reasons. Oh. And that's it. I have a few so. I've gotten from Loot Crates. Ooh, exciting. Are they exclusive? Can you sell them for a lot of money? Maybe. Probably. You should look that up. Yeah. I think one of them was the glow-in-the-dark Groot, which I would probably hold on to, and then I think another one what? was a Give me Rick. mine! <laughs> I didn't know and there was a glow-in-the-dark Groot. Some other ones that aren't ringing any bells, so that tells you how good they must have been. Nice. nice. Yeah. Alright, well, I think I can say with some authority that we will not be reviewing that comic next week. No. Uh, I'm sure the by then we'll, <laughs> we will have another uh, Robots in Disguise, uh, and I don't know. One of these days we need to read Revolutionaries when we're not all super busy, by which I mean I'm busy. By which I mean maybe, I'm busy being sad. Maybe when a good, trade comes good out. Good work. Yeah, maybe yeah. when a trade One of us will out. read it. <laughs> yes, and report back to the others. We'll make a book report. Yeah. Yeah. Um. yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, then, that's it for this week. Uh, so until next week, this is Jen. And Alex. And Good night. Underground Radio is hosted by IaconUnderground.net. We are listener-supported through Patreon, where you can help us cover the cost of running this show and our other podcast, Stasis Pod, at patreon.com slash IaconUnderground. We are on Twitter at IaconUG, Tumblr at IaconUnderground.tumblr.com, and Facebook at Facebook.com slash IaconUnderground.